awesome, y'all. He is so good. He is so worthy to be praised. And when we think about, this is the key. When you take the time to think about what he's done for you, what he's brought you through. Come on, every minute, every second, every hour, you should just be giving him thanks and praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Y'all, it was no good that we done. It was what he done for us, for us to be in the place that we are today. So when you look at you, you off. But when you look at him, you right on it. I'm telling you, that's why we have to look to the hills for which cometh our help. Our help cometh from the Lord. God has helped all of us in this room. Maybe not in the same situation, but God has helped all of us. And he is so worthy to be praised, so worthy to be glorified. I don't know about you, just opening my eyes this morning. I tell the Lord, thank you. Have you ever thought about... You still here for a reason. Don't let nobody tell you that you don't have a purpose, that you don't have a destiny. If you're here today, you're here for a reason. And God still got work for you to do. So don't take that lightly. Don't let nobody tell you you can't be used by God. Don't let nobody tell you that you're not the apple of his eye. Because God loved all of us in this room the same and he proved his love for us when he died for us on the cross. Amen. So, Father, we just thank you on today. We glorify you. We magnify you, God. We honor you, God. We praise you. We lift you up, God, because, God, you are the great God. You are the great I am that I am. God, you are the eliminator. God, you are the prince of peace. God, you are a healer. You are a deliverer, God. Oh, God, we thank you that you are the rose of Sharon. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are provider, God. You are Jehovah Nisi. You are banner, God. You are Jehovah Shema. God, you are there. You are Jehovah Shalom, God. You are peace. God, you are Jehovah Rapha. You are a healer, God. And we just thank you and we just praise you in this place, God, for who you are. Not who you're going to be, God, but who you are. And God, when we need you, we can call on your name, God. We can call on your name and you said you will answer us, God, because you are above every name. And we just thank you and praise you in this place. Now, Father, I thank you that your presence is right here. It's right here, right now in the midst of us. So I thank you that being that your presence is here, everything that we need is right in the midst of this room. So, Father, we thank you that we already have every need met right now in Jesus' name. And, Father, I thank you for my helper, my teacher, my standby, the one that walk alongside of me, the one that reveals unto me, the one that brings the word to my remembrance. I thank you for the spirit of truth that bear witness unto the truth. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place today. And, Father, I thank you that I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives on the inside of me. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. 
We're going to continue our teaching on the eliminator. How about that? God is bringing this word in the house for a reason. And I pray that as this word has been coming into the house, that change have been taking place. Because through the word of God, that is where transformation comes. Let's go back to Hebrews, the 10th chapter. And we will stay there until God say move. Because I tell you, y'all, it's deliverance in the house. Hallelujah. Hebrews, the 10th chapter. I'm beginning at verse 9. Hebrews, the 10th chapter, beginning at verse 9. Let's hear what the Spirit of the Lord has to say unto the church. Then says he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. Here we go again. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Verse 17, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Verse 17, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Verse 17, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Verse 17, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Y'all better catch it. Come on, he's breezing through the place. Come on, y'all, we got to catch this. You may be seated. You got to catch and grab hold to this because I believe this is why there's a problem in the body of Christ because we're still trying to do things ourselves. We're trying to do things outside of what he's already done. When we're talking about the eliminator, last Sunday I called him the terminator. (laughs) You know, when a terminator come in there, he's ready to eliminate, right? So the eliminator is one who gets rid of, one who eliminates. So Jesus got rid of sin, y'all, once and for all. Sin has been dealt with. So the problem that's going on in the world today is sin has been dealt with through Jesus Christ, but our problem is accepting what Jesus have done. We look at, I have to change this, I have to change that in order to be accepted. No, you don't. This is why he said, come just as you are see we're trying to fix ourselves up we're trying to clean ourselves up but the blood of Jesus have already cleansed you he has already washed you the only thing you do is accept what he's already done and this is what's blocking us from receiving what he's done because we're spending too much time repenting We're spending too much time. Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. Oh, Lord, I shouldn't have done this. Oh, Lord, please forgive me. The Bible says that your sins and iniquities, he remembers no more. So why are you reminding a God who has not even looked at it no more at you? The problem is we're in Christ, y'all. When we do something that's outside of the will of God, yes, we acknowledge what we have done that is outside his will. We repent, we renew our minds, we turn from it, and we go into an opposite direction. But all of your sins, he have 
done away with, meaning that if he's done away with them, we're going to talk a little bit more on the effects of sin and how that effect have an effect on us when we choose to sin after sin has been dealt with. Understand that sin was separating us from a loving father. So in order for us to have that relationship and that fellowship with him the way he created it for us to have, sin had to be dealt with because God don't look on sin. Remember when Jesus was on the cross and he was taking on all the sins of the world? He was saying, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? God was hiding his face from his own son because he was bearing the sins, the transgressions, the iniquities of us all. Some sins, y'all, we don't even see. We don't even see what's going on around us because you, when you go into the word of God and understand why God had to deal with sin. In the beginning, I'm going back to Genesis so we can move on. Y'all know that they were in paradise. They had everything that they needed. There was no sickness. There was no disease. There was no depression. There was no oppression. There was no lack. Everything they needed was right there in the Garden of Eden. Remember that God created everything and man was created on the sixth day. And we should be giving God glory that he chose us out of all his creation to rule and reign over what he created. Y'all, that is a privilege. Do you know, even on your job, regardless if they give you a promotion or not, you still reigning and ruling. See, we're looking at promotions, we're looking at position, and you in the highest position that you could ever be in in Christ. But we're looking at, and it's okay to do that because God, he's the one that promote us. Promotion don't come from the east nor the west, but it comes from the father. He puts up, he sits down. So when we trust in him, we're not worrying about what position you're going to put me in. I'm already positioned in Christ. So it don't matter where you put me at. I'm going to be blessed and everything my hands touch is going to be blessed because I've been positioned in Christ. And the favor of the Lord is upon me and it surrounds me like a shield. So if you have me shoveling dirt, that's going to be the most blessed dirt there is. And it's going to be laid out the way he wanted to be laid out. And everybody want to pick up a shovel. Then you're going to move me to something else and it's going to be blessed because it's the hands of God. Y'all got to hear what I'm saying. So we got to quit trying to position ourselves. You position you because you don't know you already position. Look at your neighbor and say, quit trying to put yourself in a place. Say, you already position in Christ. Say, you already have everything you need in him. Say, quit trying to get what you got. Say, quit trying to get what you already got. Look at God, look at God, look at God, y'all. Because in that garden, they had everything. And the enemy, deception was coming through trying to make them think they didn't have. Is that not what he's doing to us today? He's trying to make us feel like we don't have what God has already given us, y'all. So by him doing that and coming in that garden, understand that the enemy have to use what God created because he didn't do it. God created everything, even him. 
God created him. So he had to use God's creation to do what he's doing. Are you God's creation? He got to use you to get done what he want to get done. And guess what? We allow him to use us. We give him permission to use us. And that's what the serpent did. He gave him permission to use him. Because remember, in the Garden of Eden, the Bible said everything was good. And then it said it was very good. So nobody looked at anything that represented evil because they didn't know it. But the enemy come in to deceive. He come in to kill, steal, and to destroy. And the only way he can come in, y'all, is when we invite him in. When we let him come in. But understand, he can't come into your spirit. Because the spirit is the real you. That's the part of you that was born again. Where we invite him at is our soul. So he knows if I can get into the soulless part of you, your mind, your will, and your emotions, guess what? The spirit of the living God that's supposed to flow through you, there's going to be a blockage because your soul ain't been renewed to hear and know what God is saying through your spirit. So your body is following your mind, your will, and your emotions, which is not relevant representing the real you so when he come into that garden and he deceived eve and eve um you know gave part of that fruit to her husband they knew what not to do y'all it was only one command think about it one command he gave them all the trees in the garden but i'm gonna back up because when he created man he created man outside the garden but after he created man and he put the breath of life into man he placed him into the garden of Eden. He was created outside the garden, but he placed him into the garden. And when he placed him into the garden, he told him, this is what I want you to do in this garden. I want you to keep it. I want you to dress it. I want you to guard it. How was he going to guard it? With the word. He was going to speak over the creation just like God did. He didn't have to work the ground to do it. He, you know what? He had to guard that garden against. I want y'all to catch this. God knew that Satan was going to show up. That's why he said, I want you to keep it. I want you to dress it and keep it. Why would he guard over something where there is no evil? Come on, let's think about it. God was letting him know right then, you got a devil amongst you. He was preparing him. And then after he told him to guard that garden, y'all, let's go back. Y'all, how many, how many times we miss something because we go through it too quick? We want to get out of church fast, right? So listen at this. He put him into the garden, and then the Lord commanded him. Let me go back up. Verse 15, and the Lord took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Then he gave him a command. So he knew, he knew what was going to take place. He forewarned man what was going to take place. He said, now this is what you don't do in this garden. Everything in this garden you can eat except from this tree. So the enemy was already there and God knew the enemy was already there. So see, let me tell y'all something. When you do something you should not do, you already been forewarned not to do it. How do I know? Because it's already written. Everything that you need is already written. It's already a part of you. You already know what to do and what not to do, y'all. But we choose. We have a choice. 
God didn't stop them. Don't you know that if God really wanted to stop them, he would have slapped that fruit out their hand. Don't you eat that. He would have done that. But God said, I'm going to give you a choice to see whom you're going to serve today. I'm going to see. And guess what, y'all? I want y'all to check this. How many uh, look down on people that are sinners? Because some people think they're better than they are. Some people think just because they're saved. And let me, let me put it another way. We get to the part that we think we're so holy than thou and we don't do what the sinners do. Yo, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Because I'm going to give you proof. In this garden, there was no sin. They were sinless. There was no sin nature driving them to sin. The only thing God gave them in this garden was a choice. Right? They were born again. They had the spirit of God, their spirit, soul, and body. The, everything was about God's business. They didn't know no evil. But guess what? They had a choice, y'all. So even us being born again, we have a choice when things hit us in the face that's not of God. We have a choice to turn from it or we have a choice to um, join with it. And this is what they did. Some of us say, well... Jesus, um, he, he, um, didn't sin because he didn't have a sin nature, but Jesus didn't have a sin nature because God needed a sinless sacrifice. Somebody who did not have sin, but Jesus was human. Meaning that even though he didn't have that sin nature, he still had to resist. I want y'all to understand that. So just like us in the, in the, um, in the Garden of Eden, they didn't have that sin nature, but they still had a choice to resist. And what did they do? They did something that God told them not to do. And after they done it, y'all, y'all know what would begin to happen. There was an effect from that sin. Because God said, the moment that you eat from this tree, you shall surely die. He was talking about a spiritual death. So they did. They died spiritually, meaning that everything around them now represent death. They um, were not naked before they ate. They were naked before they ate from this tree. They were not ashamed because they were clothed with his glory. They were clothed with his righteousness. So everything around them was good. They didn't see nakedness as being ashamed. They were married, so they were in the will of God. But the moment they ate from the tree, they recognized shame. They recognized guilt. They recognized fear. And then they tried to save themselves. Is is that not like us? We try to save ourselves, but we run from God. Sin will make you hide from God. That's what sin does. Everybody know when they say something or do something they're supposed to do. Oh God. Oh God, you feel so ashamed. You feel so guilty for what you've done. Why? Because sin has consequences. Anytime you do something wrong, there is consequences behind what you do wrong. So that's what they were experiencing. They were experiencing the effects of sins. But let me tell you how good our father is. God knew that this was going to happen. They started blaming each other. The woman you gave me, that serpent. So everybody was accusing everybody. Just do this for me. Say, say neighbor, don't be accusing me when you mess up. See, you had a choice. I'm serious. We accuse everybody. Well, if you had to took out the trash, I wouldn't have slipped on what you should have took out. 
Well, if you had to wash those dishes, this right here would not happen if you had to wash the dishes. Well, if you hadn't said nothing about Sally Sue, I wouldn't have said nothing to Apostle about Sally Sue. If you hadn't bought her business to me, I wouldn't be telling her business. It's always somebody else that calls you. Well, if they hadn't said nothing, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have slapped you if you hadn't cursed me out. I wouldn't have put your business out there if you hadn't told me your business. Isn't that an accuser of the brethren? Don't we always have an excuse? With, come on, we just is. Mm. When somebody come to you and they're giving you something, why do we always come back? Instead of studying to be quiet. Why do we come back when somebody is giving you truth? Why do we come back to say something? Why? Why do we do it? Because it's something that's deep within us that we feel like we got to protect ourselves. God is your protector. He is your vindicator. He is your present help in the time of trouble. So it don't matter which way the wind blows. When you know you ain't done nothing, you don't have to say nothing. The problem is we begin to take up for ourselves because of past hurt. Because of things that happened to us in the past that we haven't really dealt with. But when we deal with those things, those things won't be dealing with us. Do y'all hear me? When you deal with it, it won't deal with you. When you let go of it, it will let go of you. Come on, that's a double sermon. But you know what we do? We don't want to deal with it. Why? Because dealing with it takes us through some changes, y'all. It makes us feel a certain way. But after they did what they did, let me tell you about a loving father. That loving father came in and clothed them. That loving father was there to protect them outside of what they did. That was his grace and mercy. He killed an animal. He took the, um, what is it, from the animal? The skin from that animal, and he clothed them. Why? Because he loved them. And another thing that he did, he took them out of the Garden of Eden because he did not want them to eat from the tree of life and live in that condition forever. So what am I telling you? He had to send his son. He already had a plan for redemption before they committed the act. Because God is God. He's all-knowing. He knows what's going to take place before it takes place. So God already prepared for what you're going to do even before you do it. Oh, isn't he a loving God? He already knew you were going to curse the person out before you curse the person out. So he already done away with past, present, and future sins once and for all because he said, I know you can't keep your mouth shut because one-third of you is spirit, but the other parts of you need some help. He said, we need help, y'all. That's why he sent us the Holy Spirit. He said, because you can't even be on this earth by yourself without any assistance because the earth is so corrupt. So even though you are born again, you're still going to be taken through some changes, some challenges, some persecution, some affliction. Things are going to hit you, but you don't have to accept what's coming at you once you know who you are now that you're in Christ. 
So don't think just because you're born again, things ain't going to happen. But you don't have to accept what's happening around you. Because when you know who you are, that's when things begin to change. That's when your environment begin to change. How do I know? Because when the Israelites was in Egypt and they were in bondage and God sent Moses to set them free, they were in Goshen, but the other ones was in the land of Egypt. When things were happening in Egypt, guess what? It wasn't happening in Goshen. You know why? Because God was protecting his people from what was coming on Egypt. The reason why it was coming on Egypt is because it's because Egypt was in sin. It was full of sin. It was the world. But what did God do? He protected his people from what was going on in Egypt. Look at your neighbor. Say, I'm protected. Say, the blood is what protects me. Say, I don't have, see, this is the problem, y'all. We're trying to do something to make the blood work. You don't have to do anything but believe in what the blood has done and live according to what the blood has done. So when we plead the blood of Jesus, we ain't pleading it to get nothing done. We're pleading it because we know what we already have. Y'all, we work too hard trying to get what we already got. And when you know what you got, I don't know about you, if you know you got money in the bank and that money in the bank that you have is needed for something that's needed, are you still going to go out and try to work for something that you already have or are you going to receive from what you already have? We got too many people that God has already supplied the need. The only thing you got to do is trust in his supply and grab hold to his supply and quit trying to go out there and get other supply and use the supply that God has already given you and recognize it is yours. So we look at, he protected his um, people, the Israelites. They were his covenant. He made a covenant with Abraham. So they were protected because of the covenant he made with Abraham, not according to what they do or how they do it. God remembered his covenant. It was a signed agreement. And God said, my word. God has said his word is forever settled in heaven. God let us know that when God speak a thing, God is not going to change what he has spoken. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. He's not going to change his mind because God is not who? Man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he shall repent. God said, have I not said it? And shall I not? Have I not? And shall I not? Y'all got to make that real. Come on. We say that so many times. If God said it, it's a done deal. It don't matter what your circumstances look like. You saying that's what my God said. It's already a done deal. You can cut the food. You can do whatever you want to do. But it don't change the fact of what God said. So this is how people live, y'all. They lived according to what God said. Look at Abraham. Abraham got a word from the Lord. He did what God told him to do. And guess what? Abraham received from what God told him to do. Why? Because he was obeying God, not obeying man. So when we put our trust in him and not in what's going on around us, y'all, it's already a done deal. It's already a done deal. So when we go back to the effects of sin, sin has affected the world so much that people are living in a dying world and don't even recognize it. 
They're in a world that's full of death and they don't even see it. They, they think this is normal. Yes, it is normal for you, but it's not normal for us. So in order for them to see what we see, we're going to have to bring in the gospel of the kingdom. We're going to have to tell them what sin done to the earth. And it come through one man. It's through one man sin in the earth. Can you imagine it was one man? And from that one man sin, death passed. And then death passed upon all men. For all men have sinned because of that one man, which was Adam. Our sin nature was inherited through Adam, through the seed that Adam brought in. It was a corruptible seed. We're born again of what? Incorruptible seed. And um, the world is born of corruptible seed. Our seed that's incorruptible lives mm, and abides forever, y'all. There is no corruption in our seed because we come from the father and there is no sin. There is no um, corruption in the father. But the ones that are in the world, this is what I want you to see. When I always say we're in the world, but we're not part of the world. So we don't do what the world does. We were going over the works of the flesh last week and dealing with those works of the flesh. We see all types of. Of works of the flesh when we were ruled y'all by that sin nature this is why the law come in after Adam and Eve sin there was sin throughout the whole world but they did not recognize sin they thought this was a normal way of living they thought this is how they live this is how they do things so we see the first murder was dealing with King when he killed his brother Abel why did he kill his brother one jealousy one, he was rejected. How many of us, when we feel rejected, we're ready to pounce on somebody else so they can feel like we feeling? We don't want um, people to outdo us. So a person that's rejected would say, hear me, see me, be attached to me. And if they don't get the attention that they need because they're feeling unneeded and unwanted, guess what they're going to do? They're going to make somebody else look bad so they can look good. Let me say it again. A person with rejection will make somebody else look bad so they can look good because they feel rejected themselves. They want to stand out in the spotlight. So we see that King, because of these things, he got upset with his brother and he killed his own brother. This is the effects of sin. When he killed his brother, God heard um, Abel's blood crying out from the ground. And I'm going to stop right there to let you know, nobody who commits murder is going to get away with it. I don't care how many years it was, you're not going to get away with it because sin, your sin will find you out. See, this is why we're putting everything up under rugs and don't want people to know what happened in our family with the incest, with, um, you know, all these things. We, we had it. Because we're thinking that if we had it, our, our reputation won't be messed up. See, that's the way of the world. See, this is what Jesus have done away with. So God knew what King had already done. And he looked at King's countenance and he knew his countenance was not right. Understand that sin has consequences, y'all. When you sin... There are consequences behind sin. And it's not because of God, because God tell you that when you do these things, this is what's going to happen. I want y'all to understand this. God ain't changing his word. 
God set things in place to let you know when you do these things, this is what's going to happen. It is not God that's putting it on you. It's you that's putting it on you because God took it away from you. So we see that after all this happening, he said, King, he said, don't you know that sin lies at the door and wait on you? But he said, you can master it. So what is he saying? You don't have to let it in because you already know what you don't supposed to do. So you have that choice whether or not you want to do it or not. Did y'all not know that? Even people that don't know the Lord that may be an alcoholic or may have a certain kind of addiction. Guess what the, our loving God did? Even for the world. He put uh, people that they can go to and talk to about these addictions so they won't go off and do something that they don't supposed to do. Ain't he a loving God? He put people still there to help people with the problems that they have so they won't go off and do things. Some people are addicted to um uh, sex so they have people to counsel people in that area why because that's why you have rapists that's why you have molestation some people have things going on with them they don't understand why am I lusting after my sister why am I lusting after a man and I'm a man why am I lusting after a woman and I'm a woman that is just not me and they're crying out for help and you know what the answer is you're born that way well, evidently, that's the way God has created you. That's the way of the world. That's their way of answering people to say, you'll be okay. And then they slap something on them to calm them down. But that ain't getting to the root of the problem. This is why we're talking about the effects of sin, y'all. Sin has an effect. And people are catching the effects now, but it's normal to them. Because they're looking for man to take away the effect. And what, how do man take it away? I'm going to go back to the works of the flesh. Those works of the flesh, fornication, adultery, uncleanness. Come on, those were named first in Galatians 5, right? Why did he put that out first? Because you see more of this in the world. And guess how they take care of this effect? Well, if you catch a disease, we got something to treat you with. Then some of these diseases you got to be treated with for the rest of your life or you dead. So tell me how are they handling the effects of sin? They're not. They're giving you something to cover it up. But they ain't got to the root of it. This is what's happening, y'all, when it comes to the world and the effects of sin. This is what they do. They give you something to cover up. What's going on to have you to believe in that, but you still having these thoughts, you still going through in your body, your body ain't functioning right. It ain't acting right. But they say, okay, if that didn't work, I'm gonna give you this. If that don't work, I'm gonna give you this. This affects that, that affects this. Now you got other things that you didn't have. That's the effect of sin. And see, the enemy knows as long as he can get you to depend on man, you're going to take your focus off of Elohim, which is the creator. He created you. You didn't create yourself. He already told you what was going to happen when you fall into that trap, when you are ensnared. He told you these things. But what do we do? I'm going to try it and see. But why don't we try God and see? Why don't we try the word and see what happens through the word? We don't even stick to the word long enough to get the effects 
from the word, to get their manifestation from the word. But when somebody else tell us to try something and we say it ain't working, well, do it a little longer. Okay. What's that song that says, I tried Jesus, he's all right. What is that song? There you go. And the ones that's singing it ain't really tried. <laughs> but they singing it. Because that's just what they learned, that song. They learned that song, but they ain't really tried it. So this is what I'm saying. When we do opposite of what God says, there's an effect. It started in the Garden of Eden when he said, don't eat from that tree. Wasn't there an effect from eating from one tree? So let me tell you something. One sin leads to another sin. After Cain had killed his own brother, y'all look what happened. Then down in the lineage, in the generation, there was another one. Say, if Cain have slain one, he killed how many? Seven? And he said, if he got away with it, I can get away with it. Look how it keep going. So this is what happened. When somebody do something and think they got away with it, they're ready to do it again. If somebody rob a bank and they got away with it, they don't know who it was. They setting it up again to rob another bank. Because the money that they got, even though it was a million dollars, it still ain't enough. Let's go for a B. And this bank here is bigger so we can do what we done before. But let's get better at what we do. Come on, somebody. This is the effect of sin. It has an effect on your mind. Your mind, this is the enemy. If he can get your mind, he controls your body. I don't care how saved you are. This is why it takes a renewing of your mind. A transformation in the mind. A change has to take place. Just like a little caterpillar. Caterpillar look ugly. It look creepy. But in that caterpillar mind, he's saying one day... There's going to be a metamorphosis. I'm going to be changed. I'm going to be transformed. I'm going to be created into a big, pretty butterfly. And you're not even going to know that was little old me. But we don't want to take the time for change, y'all. The word of God is what changes you. It's what transforms you. The word of God is what keeps you. You cannot be born again without staying into the word. Once you, it took the word for you to become born again. Faith come by hearing. Hearing come by the word of God. You got to hear about the kingdom. You got to hear about the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ is the kingdom of God. He come to bring you the kingdom to say the kingdom don't function like this. The kingdom don't operate like this. The way, the place that I'm from, there is healing, there's deliverance, there's prosperity, there's joy, there's peace, there's no disease. And I'm coming to bring the kingdom here on earth to you. This is what we supposed to be doing. Y'all, the world is living it's dying. And you know what? We, as the people of God, supposed to bring life into a dying world. But we're spending more time on our situations. See, if we're in Christ, we're supposed to know that God has already done taking care of our situations and everybody else. There is no situation, no problem that Jesus hasn't already solved through the shedding of his blood, y'all. Nothing that you're going through, Jesus ain't already went through it. 
So there is no excuse for nobody in this room to say, why am I going through what I'm going through? Some of the things you're going through is because you chose to go through them. Because you put yourself in a place to go through them. How do we put our place, ourselves in a place? Because we get out of place. We get out of the position that we have been put in, in Christ. So what I want you to understand, we talked about all of the works of the flesh, and I asked you to go over the works of the flesh. We as people of God have to understand that all of these works of the flesh have been crucified. They have been nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ. So when these things pop up in our lives, we don't allow these things to dominate us. We don't allow these things to control us. Why? Because we know who we are now that we're in Christ. When fornication began to try to come in, to try to make single folks sleep around because they say, oh, I'm so lonely. Everybody got somebody except me. And if I don't get nobody quick, they're going to think I'm a dyke. They're going to think I'm a lesbian. They're going to think that I'm going with somebody. And I just got, Lord, please, send somebody. You get so desperate, I don't care how to look. Don't say that. <laughs> send somebody, God. Somebody my way. Somebody got to love little old me. And then the devil began to put into your mind, it's the way you dress. You don't wear the nails, you don't wear the makeup, you don't wear the hair, and you know, you don't do like other women do, and that's why men are more attracted to them. Change your look. And then you get on the phone with your little prayer partner and say, you know what I heard? A word from the Lord. I need to quit acting like Aunt Jemima. I need to start, you know, acting like up to date, like everybody else. And let's go shopping, girl. Can we go shopping? So as you go shop for the new you, saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, go and shopping to find the real you. Go in there and see the mannequin looking all good. I want what the mannequin got on. Don't you know that's a dummy? <laughs> that's a dummy. So there you are idolizing another God. That's a dummy, and no one you put it on ain't going to fit like it fit on the dummy. I'm going to give y'all something. Turn around and look at the back of the dummy. They got the dummy pulled, the clothes are pulled on the dummy to fit the dummy. So if you don't look at the back of the dummy, I want to look like that dummy. You want to be a dummy? This is what we do. I want to be like that. I want to be shaped like that. I'm going to the gym. I'm going to lose all this and that. Let me tell you something. If you don't get your mind right, I don't care how shapely you are. You still going to be messed up and tore up from the floor up. And you still ain't going to be satisfied. Come on. This is the enemy in your head. When you know who you are in Christ. You ain't worrying about what people think about you. You ain't worrying about the hair, the nails. You ain't worrying about that stuff. But, but to be honest, some of us need it. We need a little help sometimes. We do, we do. We all need a little bit of help. 
looking like Jezebel either. But what I'm saying is those are the ways of the world. We're trying to find ways to draw attention to us. Let me tell you something. If you're in a size 14, quit squeezing in a 12. Because that's what brings diseases between your legs too. Come on, I'm trying to help you out. Quit trying to squeeze into something that don't fit. Go ahead and put on the 14 and say, I look fabulous. Come on, we're talking about it. This is what's happening with the church. The church is trying to look too much like the world so the world don't know who you belong to. We want it to fit, yes. We don't want it to fall all off of you, no. But don't try to put on something you can't even hold. <laughs> can't hold a conversation because you can't breathe. And then can't even bend over. Uh, can't, 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 can't. Will you pick that up for me? <laughs> this is what we do, people. Church folk. And you think a man ain't going to look at you? You want him to look at you. Husbands, that's your wife. That's your body. And if you using her to get attention from another man, you prostituting her. Because if you let your wife leave out of the house like that, and that's your body, and you know that that what she got on is going to draw attention to another man, you just saying, here, take her. Oh, some of you want to get rid of them anyway, don't you? to your woman women pay attention to your man why is your man all of a sudden want to get tight fitting shirts so tight when you touch him ouch you don't pinch me why is this happening y'all in the body of Christ excuse me where you going I'm going up here to Walmart what you going to get another shirt you need to get that to your son you know why? Because my body his and his body mine. That's what marriage is. It don't belong to me no more. First is God, then is him. So some things he may say that I don't like, but I got to go in my prayer chamber and say, Jesus. And I got to hear what Jesus have to say. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Because when it came to Abraham, Abraham was a man and Sarah gave her husband to another woman. Go and sleep with her. Abraham, okay. I don't mind. You giving me permission, I don't mind. So she she sleep with, he sleep with that woman. And after it's all done and over with, now she say, Abraham, she despising me. She was despising you before she slept with your husband. Because she wanted what she had, you just gave it to her. So look, after all of this, she left the place that she was in. Hagar left that place. But God sent her back and told her, be humble, serve Sarah. But this is what I'm trying to tell you, y'all. There are effects of sin. And through what Abraham done, we receiving the effect right now. So this is why I'm telling you, y'all, it's time out for playing church. It's time out for coming to church and not being the church. We are the church. This is a building. 
And we call it, you know, I use the word church. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But the problem is we're trying to live like the world living and we're in it, but we're not of it. So every day you say I'm in this world, but I don't live like this world does. And when we remind ourselves of that, guess what? The Holy Spirit is going to bring it back to our remembrance. Even when you put on something you don't supposed to put on, he'll tell you to take it off. But some people who are not renewed in their mind, they're not going to see the way you see, but you shouldn't make them stumble because they don't see it. Because some people haven't gotten there yet. Did y'all know if we cut off everything, y'all be naked. Check the, the labels in your clothes. See who made them. Do you know whether or not they're gay? Do you know whether or not they're a devil worshiper? Have you ever checked every garment that you have on and looked it up on the internet and said, let me see who made this? You would wear nothing. This is why, i give you another one. This is why you got to bless your food. Because you don't know who's cooking your food. Could be a witch. You go to every restaurant. Are you going to go back there and say, um, excuse me. I need some credentials on your cook. Where they're from, how they got here. What they put in their food, you ain't got time for all that. That's why when the food is laid out in front of you, you begin to bow your head. And you begin to say, God, this food that I'm getting ready to eat that's going into your temple. God, I speak blessings over this food. I speak that this food is purified, it's sanctified, it's set apart for your use, God, in the name of Jesus. And God, even the one that is cooking the food, if they're not on your side, God, before I leave out of this restaurant, if it's for them to come to the kingdom, let me be introduced to the cook so we can bring them to outside. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Because you ain't going to bless somebody that's cooking food if they're a devil worshiper. Mm -mm. They ain't going to work. Because <laughs> the blessings only come on those that are in Christ Jesus. So that prayer is just null and void. So this is what I want you to understand, y'all. We're in a fallen world. And this is why you cannot look at one thing one way and look at another another way. You got to look straight ahead to who you are now that you're in Christ. Whatever you have that ain't right and the spirit tell you to loose it, you loose it. If you go to somebody else's house and the spirit ain't told them to loose it, you leave that house alone. And you begin to pray for that house. Oh, people getting upset now. Fence is up. Because I'm going somewhere. And this is where I'm going. Everybody is in the same position in Christ, but everybody mindset ain't the same. So don't think just because you've been living righteously and you say that everybody else that's born again going to live like you, no sugar babe, no honey bun. That ain't going to happen until they come to know who they are now that they're in Christ. Some people say, well, they ain't saved then. Well, wait a minute. You saving cutting the food. What's the difference? You saving still talking about people. You saving still eating everything that's in the kitchen and ain't leaving none for your husband. So what make you any difference? The only difference that you have in them is there was a change in your spirit and that change ain't come to them yet. So you're supposed to set an example. Right. 
But you know what we do? We always pointing fingers and it's pointing right back at you. If Jesus pointed fingers, y'all just plan your funeral here and now. Because none of us in this room will make it. That's why he made provisions for past, present, and future sins. Because he knew none of us would make it. Not even me. Because all of us make mistakes. All of us say things we shouldn't say. But when God know our heart. See, it's a heart thing, y'all. See, this is what happens with the born again experience. When you truly turn your heart over to God. You have him on the inside of you. You have his desires. You have his love. You have his characteristics. So guess what? Having everything inside of you in your spirit, you don't have a desire like you had before to do what you do. Because that sin nature in you has been done away with. It is dead. That sin nature is no more driving you to do what you do. This is why he set laws, y'all, because they couldn't see the sin. They thought it was normal. So when he gave these laws, but guess what? He gave them a choice. But they choose to obey everything. God said, okay. So this is your choice. He said, now I'm putting laws into place. And by me putting laws into place, if you don't obey these laws, it is death. There are going to be some effects for you not obeying. So each time that God said don't, the sin nature in them was driving them, compelling them, do it, do it. And they kept doing it. And then they said, I need help. This is why, y'all, the law was put in place. It was our schoolmaster until faith came. But when faith came, you no longer, I'm going somewhere, you no longer up under those laws, those rules, and those regulations. Why? Jesus nailed all of those ordinances to the cross. So my life ain't based on what I do or what I don't do. My life is in Christ. So when I mess up, he don't see my mess up. He see Jesus. So when I get condemned, what I have to do is focus back on what he done and then I get back in my place you can't make me do nothing right because he couldn't we got it messed up so what do we Darlene if I'm a liar and you a thief how can you tell me to quit lying and I tell you to quit stealing when both of us ain't meeting the standards of God so how can I look at her and tell people, thief, oh, the thief, thief coming, thief coming, look out for that thief. But yet I'm still lying. Because the body, listen, that's why they say if you lie, you're going to steal. <laughs> don't even say, don't even say, I ain't no thief. Yes, she is because you're lying. That's why God didn't grade you like that. He wiped all of it out. He settled it all. So I'm tired of people saying well, I ain't no fornicator and I ain't no homosexual. I don't know how people can do it. Well, if you lied, you done done it too. Because you break one, you done broke them all. Let me give you another one. When you think you're laying with Mr. Lover Man and you the only one, he done laid with every floozy there is over the United States and you done laid with him too. I only had one man, liar, liar, pants on fire. Because whomever he had, you done had him. If he laid with a man, uh, you laid with that man. You done participated in what he done. If she laid with another woman, by God, in the morning, you done laid with her too. 
This is what the effects of sin done. But once Jesus wiped the slate clean, ain't nobody in this room got a right to call somebody something outside of who they are now that they in Christ. Just because you cleaned up your little act through renewing your mind, they got to clean up theirs too. So how can you still talk about them when it took time for you to get renewed too? Oh, please. That's why the church is born again, but yet living dead. Because we're spending too much time judging unrighteously. What do we do? A brother that's overtaken in a fault, what do we do? We restore them. We don't dig a deeper hole for them. But what do we do? We always talking about. Come on, all of us in this room is guilty. Before I learn all this, my God, in the morning, what in the world wrong with them people? They should have better sense than that. Then the Holy Spirit will slap me and say, you should have had better sense when you done what you did, but uh, back at you. I'm like, Jesus, let me back up. Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm keeping my mouth off that. Y'all think about it. Think about it, church going holy rollers. Just because you sitting in this room and coming every Tuesday and every Sunday don't mean that you living up to the 100% standards of God. The only reason why you're living up to it is because of Jesus. Because when we go before the Father, he say, yes, son. Because it's Jesus' blood on the mercy seat that saved us. And it ain't my blood. Because if it was our blood, we wouldn't be here today. Jesus' blood saved us. His blood made us righteous. His blood delivered us. His blood saved us, healed us. When we got saved, we got the total package. It was nothing we had to do but say, yes, Lord, I'll marry you. And everything that you have now is mine because it's your grace. No good that I have done. For by grace am I saved through faith, not of myself, but it is the gift of God, not of works. I didn't have to do nothing. Can I ask you something? If you didn't have to do nothing to get it, why are you making somebody else do something to get it? Well, if you just take off them lashes and uh, take that makeup off your face, maybe God will hear your child. What? You think that's why God ain't hearing my prayers? Because I wear makeup, try it and see. So you take it off. Next thing you know, you heard God. That ain't God. So now you're telling people, don't wear makeup, you can hear God. Everybody got a form of religion. Everybody got a form of the way of doing things. This is what you got to do to live holy. I'm already holy because of Jesus. And the reason why I live holy is because I know who I am now that I'm in Christ. I'm not trying to live holy to get anything. I'm being holy because he is holy because I've been separated. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. It ain't about me. It's about him. That's why Jesus said, thy will, O God. He knew what his will was, and he lived according to his will. His will is his word. So quit trying to do something, get God to do something. That's why you ain't getting what you already got. You got to grab hold to it, y'all. And, and when you go into the word of God, when Paul wrote the different letters to the different churches, every church had something going on. 
This church got something going on. Another church got something going on. Don't think you're the perfect church. God know you ain't the perfect church. That's why in the book of Revelation, he was speaking to all of them. And I believe it was only one, which was Philadelphia, that met what God was looking for. But he told them, this is what you have. Repent. Turn from what you're doing. He didn't wipe them off the map. What do we do? We wipe them. We don't want to associate with them. Jesus, he associated with people in the world, not to be like the world, but let them know there's a kingdom that comes through me that you can be a part of. And it ain't nothing you have to do but accept what I'm bringing unto you. But what do we do? We put down rules and regulations. This is what you have to do to get from God. No, the only thing I have to do is accept what he's already done. See, we spend too much time, y'all, trying to look at what everybody's doing that they shouldn't do. Let me tell you where my time is now. I'm looking at a dying world that if we don't bring the message of this gospel, they're going to be going to hell, y'all, and they're going to burn forever. We're supposed to be focused on the Great Commission. And let me tell you something, the closer people get to him and the more revelation they have about him, they'll let go of what they're doing that ain't right because the spirit of the living God that's in them will convict them of righteousness. The Holy Spirit, once you get born again, he don't convict you of sin no more because you're not a sinner. Sin has been done away with. He convict you of righteousness, of your right standing now that you're in God. And that's when you turn away from what you're not doing. What according to God's word, the Holy Spirit don't make you feel guilty. He does not condemn you. That's not his makeup. He is the spirit of truth. He's going to bring you truth. He's going to let you know when you're running your mouth too much. He's going to say, oh, open the floodgates of heaven, not the floodgates of your mouth. See, we got to understand that. God has set up things the way he would have them to be set up. So I'm telling you today, church, we're spending too much time dictating how you need to do this and how you need to, don't get me wrong. When we go into the word of God, the word of God is our mirror. And when we look into that mirror, it shows us the real you. Meaning that when the word show me the real me, that's how I want to live according to who I am. Now that I'm in Christ. But if you never go into the word of God to get to know who you really are, you're going to live according to how the world is living. You're going to do according to how the world is doing. Y'all, we all get off track sometimes. When things happen in our lives, we try to find a quick solution. Come on, all of us. We try to find a way out, a way of escape. But the more we go to him, the more we go to the Holy Spirit for help and say, Holy Spirit, I have a problem. I have a situation that I know I cannot solve, but I know you're my helper, you're my teacher, you're my standby, you're my comforter. I need help with this. I need for you to show me through the word of God how to get through this. Now, those that wait upon the Lord, he will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as an eagle. They shall run and not get weary. They shall walk and what? Not faint. So the more I'm sitting there waiting on the Lord, I'm being strengthened. I'm being renewed. And the very thing that I could not help, the Holy Spirit, he's there to help us. 
But until we understand what God has done through Jesus Christ, y'all, we're going to keep living like we're living and people don't want to take part of what we have. When you live a life in Christ that people be wondering and waiting and watching, that's your opportunity to come in and say, ain't no good I done. It's all in what he's done. My trust, my faith is in him. It's not in me. He's already done fixed everything that need to be fixed, but I need to grab hold to what he's done. And how do I grab hold? Through renewing my mind, through the word of God. I believe it was in 1 Chronicles 21 where David, he numbered Israel. David was always dependent on God. No matter what battle he went in, he depended on God for that battle. But he began to go out and number Israel. And by him doing that, he was putting more trust in his ability than he was God's ability. So when God sent word back to David and he gave David a choice of how he wanted this to go down. This is what David said. David basically said, I'd rather put my hand in God's hands than man's. Because he knew that God was more merciful than man. He says, so I'm going to choose the way God would want me to choose and not the way man would choose. What am I saying to you? We are putting our hands in man's hands. Instead of taking the time to hear what God has to say, you are a spiritual being. You no longer belong to man. You belong to God. And you have to see him as first and foremost in your life. This is why in the Old Testament, we're up under the New Testament, all of those rules and all of those regulations that God gave those people, we don't live by those rules and regulations today. Amen. Everything that they had to do to get from God, we don't have to do it. We already got it. But in order to grab hold to what we already have, it takes a renewing of your mind, allowing the word to get in you. As the word get in you, that's how you're going to live according to what you already have. All of that stuff in the Old Testament was to show them they were in the need of a savior, to show them you can't do it by yourself. You need my help. I was helping you, but you act just like I was not there. So now it's according to your works that get you what I have. So this is what was happening up in the Old Testament. When we look at Deuteronomy 28, y'all, we use Deuteronomy 28 to tell people, this is what you got to do to get the blessing. No, the blessings are already mine. God gave them a list of the blessings. He said, this is what you get when you listen and obey my word fully. Not missing none of my rules, none of my regulations. This is what you will have. He said, when you miss it, this is the curses that you're going to get. But the day that Jesus come in on the same, Jesus did away with all these curses. He did away with all these rules. He did away with all of this stuff. It got nailed to the cross. Now, what am I telling you on this? Up under the new covenant, whatever the words say, we do it, but we don't do it to get nothing. We do it because this is our way of living, folk. You don't do nothing to get nothing. You don't pay your tithes to get nothing. You give into the kingdom because you know he has given into you. And love is what caused you to do what you do. We only got two commandments we live by. To love the Lord God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul. And love our neighbors as ourselves. All of these hangs on all of the commandments. So love conquers a multitude of sin. When you allow God's love to flow through you, there is nothing that 
you cannot do or accomplish because love done it all for us. So when we live by the love of God, nobody has to tell you to give into his kingdom. Your heart is open to give. There ain't no amount even on giving. But when your heart ain't right, you're going to throw in some mites. The woman threw in some mites because that's all she had. She gave all she had. Rich people, they give in based upon their amount. But when you give into the kingdom, you give in from the heart. Not giving necessity of necessity, not giving grudgingly, but it's a heart thing. So when you give out of your heart, y'all, there's nothing missing, nothing broken. Why? Because you have the heart of God and God's heart is love. So whatever needed to be done for the kingdom, you ain't doing it because I'm who I am. You're doing it because this is what the word is telling you to do. And if you don't do it, you're not cursed. But you're missing out on what God has already done. It causes you to miss what you already got because God's kingdom is set up on laws. But those laws that his kingdom is set up on ain't based on what you do or what you don't do. His laws is based on the way you live and how you conduct yourself in an everyday life, y'all. So these principles that I'm learning every day, I say, God, when something going on, I don't have to do nothing. I don't have to do nothing. Jesus done done it all. It's already mine. So see what the enemy does when you mess up. Let's say we got people that save and still sleeping around, still lusting in your heart over another woman and you marry. You know it's wrong. But when you continually do something that you know that is wrong, you open up the door for consequences of sin. The next thing is you're going to meet and greet. Then you're going to lay down and have some fun under the sheets. Then you're going to get up feeling guilty and shame and don't even know how to go back home to neither mate. Because you done made it together. So whatever he or she was going through, now you going through it. Now you bringing it in your house. Now whatever that man brought to you, now it's in your house. Syphilis, gonorrhea, AIDS, whatever it may be. Now your house is affected. Now you're ready to kill your husband. This is the effect of sin. And don't say, God, why you allow this? He didn't allow it. He told you the effect. But you choose that effect and didn't have to. But once you come to yourself, like the prodigal son, guess what? God did not disown you. But guess what we did? We disowned God. God still loved you the same because he knew you were going to sleep with that man. He knew you were going to sleep with that woman. He knew what you were going to do before you did it. So he wiped the slate clean even in your future. But the thing is, you living with guilt and shame. Because guilt and shame is a part of what you just done. And if you really want change, you're going to go into the mirror, the word of God, and you're going to say, Holy Spirit, I need help in that area. I'm weak, and where I'm weak, you're going to make me strong. So I need to be strong in you and the power of your might. And I'm going to give you a true story. There was a lady. Her husband was a pastor. And she was working alongside of her husband, and I believe it was a youth director or he was a uh, another man that was over another part of their ministry he just come in and he was helping them and this gentleman would always come to this man's wife and compliment her you know and and spend time with her and talk with her the pastor was so busy 
with the church, he wasn't talking to his husband the way he, his wife, the way he needed to. So this relationship ended up growing because they were always taught. They were always have something they planned to do thinking it was okay. It got to the point that these two people end up sleeping together. Next thing you find out, this lady's pregnant. This is the problem with this equation. Husband could not have kids no more. So she couldn't use that it's yours. Save folk. He's a pastor of the church. So now she's really crying out to God. Let me ask you something. Why do we really cry out to God when we know we can't fix it? That's when we really cry out. When we know we can't fix this. Let me ring, hit the doorbell. Ding, dong. See, these lights should come on before you get into the action. And if the lights are not coming on, it's because you are not hearing the spirit of God. Because God's spirit ain't going to let you get caught up in conversation. You know what? I'm going to tell y'all some truth. I'm going to tell you nothing but, but Holy Ghost truth. <laughs> we got some men that are so ignorant when it comes to women. Ignorant. Woman come up to you, hey, how you doing? God is good, ain't he? Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. He's just so good. You know, I've been noticing how the Spirit of God been just using you, and, and I just thank God for you. You got to be a pastor. That's the first clue right there. You better watch as well as pray. Everything that give you a compliment don't mean they're about the Father's business. I don't care how saved they are. Long story short, this woman, she end up having to go to her husband. And tell her husband about this child. They did not believe in abortion. Wife said, I'm not giving up this child. They had children already. So guess what? Now it's going to affect the children. They had a happy family doing things together. Now not only is her husband going to be affected, but her whole family going to be affected. Her children is going to look at her totally differently now because of what has happened. Husband was so mad. But both of them agreed, we're going to need counsel. He didn't commit the act. She did. But by her committing the act and she's part of him, it affected him just as well as it affected her. He couldn't even look at his wife no more. She knew she had really scarred him and hurt him. But finally, through them getting counsel, this man, y'all, told his wife, I will be there for that child. But he still had to go through the counseling sessions. Today, they're still together, and they made that child a part of their family, and plus the brothers and sisters as well. How did they do it? Through the mirror, through the word of God. She knew that God did not condemn her, that she was wrong. He said, so if God didn't condemn you, why should I condemn you? I have to deal with my hurt. I have to deal with my emotions, but God loved us outside of what we've done, and I'm going to still love you. Let's just be honest, folks. Okay, who in this room today, husbands, your wife is coming to you like Mary, and you know you didn't impregnate her, and you know and you didn't do it. How many is going to stay with that wife? Let's be honest. It's quiet, ain't it? Because we ain't in that place. Can I get a, I'll stay with my wife, liar, liar. Your pants on fire. Just say, at this moment, I don't even want to think about it. 
I don't even want to discuss it. Let, just hush, apostle. Because it's rowing me up right now. I'm seeing that already. And women, let's reverse it. Woman pop up at your door. Big as a tick. Hey, how you doing today? Hey, how you doing, sweetie? I'm doing right good. Are you so-and-so? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Well, I just wanted to come and tell you, this baby I'm carrying is your husband. Oh, ain't no more sweetie now. You calling her bees. You telling her to get from your house. Everything that you thought you were, now you ain't. Come on, sis, be honest. And you trying to hold it together. Your complexion done changed. You done got weak in the knees. You trying to dial your husband. And you saying, what's that rascal number? And she said, here, here he is right here. Oh, Jesus. You like Aston Fred Sanford now. Here he is. He answered the phone. So you know it's truth. Right there in front of you with that woman. And then the wife get on the phone. Hey, Fred, he done passed out. It ain't mine. Well, how'd she get your number? You know how people get people numbers, baby. Tell me why a man is going to continually lie. If you want to be with somebody, be with them. Love don't do that. Love don't mess around on your mate. Why? Because the love of God that's in you will tell you to flee from that. And if you get drawn into that, you had to think about it before you committed the act. That's why Jesus said, even when you think about it in your heart, you done committed it. He had to make it real. He said, I know even your thinking would take you to hell. So that's why I forgave you for past, present, and future sins. Even what you think I forgave you because I knew you are going to be thinking some dirty, nasty stuff. Don't he love us? This is the effect of sin, y'all. This is what sin has done. So why wouldn't we, as God's people, why would we sit around so stuck on us And not go out and do what God is telling us to do. The world don't see what you see. They don't. They think they're okay. Long as I win the lottery. Long as I have enough money. Long as I'm healthy. Long as my family is okay. I'm okay. No, you're not. Because if you have not accepted what Jesus have done, then you're not okay. You going exactly where Satan is going to hell. But through God's grace. And his mercy, he made a way for you even when you didn't deserve it through grace. And we want to appropriate this grace through faith. So we need to quit y'all beating people up to the point that we're making them feel like I got to do something for God to love me. No, God love you outside of you. That's why he died even before you have come to him. So what am I saying to you today? No matter what you've done or when you've done it. Oh, how you done it? You could have done it last night. God don't change on you. Because God don't see you. He see his son. But the consequences of what you're doing is going to affect you in this life. I want you to understand, God has forgiven you for everything, past, present, and future sins. 
He don't remember them no more. But you're going to carry the guilt and shame of that until you renew your mind according to who you are now that you're in Christ. So I'm telling you, if God done that for you and you recognize what he's done for you and you know that he's not holding you guilty and condemning you, Jesus demonstrated it with the lady. Remember the lady that slept with all these men and Jesus, they brought her to Jesus and wanted to stone her. And Jesus said, you know, he who have not sinned, cast the first stone. They had to drop them because they had some in them. They had to turn away from that woman. They couldn't condemn her no more. Church, I want to ask you a question. Why are we still condemning folk? Why are we still making folk feel like they're one of the least? I was sharing with my husband the other day. You know, sometimes, even when it comes to our children, we always see, see, see what they do and say, quit doing this, quit doing this, quit doing this. The more you tell them to quit, the more they're going to do it. Because they got a sin nature in them. And that sin nature is going to rise up in them and they're going to go towards what you're telling them not to do, right? But this is what me and my husband was talking about. I said, listen at this. I said, what they're doing is wrong. Yes, it is definitely wrong. But what we used to do was wrong as well. And some things we're doing now is still wrong. How are you going to win souls to Jesus Christ through telling them what he's done? Through telling them God loves you. You don't have to be in the state that you're in. But this is what gets me, y'all. Y'all better catch this. People will wear you out with their troubles. Tell you about what this one doing, what that one is doing, what they're not doing, and this one is doing that. You know what I say now? Both of you got issues. And until you grab hold to the Savior, which is Jesus, and what he's done, you're going to go right back to that same issue. But you know what we do? They drop the issues off in our houses and they go home and live like they ain't got none. Y'all notice that? Still doing the same thing they doing. Still going to fornicate. Still going to lie. Still going to cheat. Still going to do what they do. But yet you over there, oh, this one shouldn't have done this. Oh, that one shouldn't have done that. That one is a loving person. This one right here, they need to get their act together. But the whole point of the matter is their act is not coming together until they accept Jesus. And then once they accept Jesus, they still going to have some habits. So they still got to renew their mind. Just like us. So when we beat them up, what are we doing? That ain't the love of God. You knew better. You know what some of our kids tell us? You knew better too when you cussed daddy out. But you cursed him out. Do like I say and don't do what I do. Y'all, we have problems in the church. We have problems in the church. We always dissecting somebody else's problems, but everybody in here got an issue. So when you look at your issue, you take your hands off of somebody else's. What we're supposed to do is pray for our brothers and sisters. We're supposed to, but the next thing we're supposed to do is go out there and win the loss. Because they're already going to do what they want to do. They're already a sinner. We're supposed to go out there and give them truth. Give them the good news and the gospel. But us as Christians, we need to quit putting down each other. We need to quit saying what this one should know how to do. Because, you know, I have learned. I can't. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold it. Sometimes people don't see what they're doing because they do it so much. It becomes a habit. 
So if you're not going to them and speaking truth in love, and sometimes you got to meet them where they are and say, do you mind if I share something with you? You know, I have been noticing, and it could be me. But I want to share this with you because people are in different places. Same folk. Some people have a, they're so offended they wear a fence from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. You can look at them and you see a fence. So if you don't know how to come at them, you're going to lose them. And some people have not gotten over their past issues to the point of you coming to them because they got a wall up thinking everybody want to hurt them because they've been hurt before. Y'all, I'm trying to tell y'all, quit sweeping this stuff under the rug and deal with it through the word so you can help somebody else. People stray away from even Christians because they can't talk to them no more. We're brothers and sisters. I should be able to go to Julia. I should be able to tell Julia what the Lord allowed me to see because Julia can fall in a ditch, but I'm saying, huh, let her fall. She don't hear nobody anyway. Fall, Julia, fall. <laughs> Maybe when she laying hard, she'll get up and learn some sense. Now, if you go into her and you're giving her what the word is saying, leave it alone. You've done your part. You don't have to sit there and say, Julia, now you know the word said this right here, and this is what you need to do. Do you hear what I said, Julia? Yeah, apostle, the apostle. I, you ain't hear me, Julia. What did I say, Julia? Tell me what I said. Trying to make her eat the word. You just deliver the word and go on about your business. Amen. You don't have to try to explain nothing. Go on about your business. And when I come to Julia, she don't have to try this. Well, apostle, this is why I knocked Manny out. <laughs> you, you just heard one side. I'm just going to tell you why I knocked him out and left him knocked out. You just heard what Manny got to say. Y'all kin, that's why you're coming to me. Why don't you go to Manny? She trying to justify what she done. Ain't no justification in knocking that man out. Is it? Everybody know you knocked him out. He wearing the evidence, y'all. I'm just using an example. He wearing the knot upside his head. Everybody knows somebody knocked him out. So ain't no use of her justifying it. When we do something, just say, yep, I did it. But even before I did it, God forgave me, but that don't give me right to do it again. Case closed. But we try to justify why we knock somebody out. I put Clorox in his eyes because, apostle. I threw the hot water on him because, apostle. I left him standing there because, apostle. He had to catch him a ride home because, apostle. Then when some other person come up to you, uh, can you help? Sure, sweetie, what you want me to help you with? Get in, I'll take you home and pass him by your husband. <laughs> well, who is that man? I don't know who he is. Look like he need a ride. You got no, it might do him good to walk. <laughs> we justify what we do because we feel like we got right to do it. My husband know this. Me and my husband, we get into a little spat sometimes, but I still feed you, don't I? I don't go sleep in the other room either. I don't try to go to try to go to bed mad. I don't do that. I don't say go to your mama house and eat. <laughs> naked you come and naked you're gonna go. <laughs> None of that. None of that. I still feed the man. Matter of fact, when me and my husband is, you know, going back and forth, my daughter laughing at us. Because we just funny. Jennifer be laughing. 
I mean, it's, it's just get over it already. Whoa, whoa, get over it already. Come on. <laughs> Jesus, come on. I told Jennifer one day, and I'm telling y'all how it is. I told Jennifer one day, we were sitting in the car up under the, as, the, as old people say, the garage. <laughs> sitting in that car, and I said, Jennifer, watch this. He positions himself up under the stern wheel. We thinking we get ready to roll. I said, Jennifer, he getting out. Did he get out, Jennifer? Yes, he did. I know him, that man, if he get in that car, he going to have to get out for something. And you ready to go, so when he get back in, position himself again, the next thing is the telephone. <laughs> I'll get there today or tomorrow, one of these days, Jesus. But you know what the Lord told me? <laughs> you ain't patient. You, you, you got, he, he's trying to help you with something. Well, Lord, this ain't the day. I'm ready to go. Y'all know what I mean, right? I'm ready to go. But then the Lord let me know, I'm teaching you something. And then he'll tell me, now, y'all always in a rush. Want to go somewhere and come back, don't we, Daddy? We get in that car. I'm going to use my daddy, y'all. He's so funny. And I'm going to close. My daddy. I remember every time we go traveling, Daddy don't want to stop for you to eat. No. You got to use the bathroom, hold it. We going and we coming back. I believe that's where I get that from, my Daddy. So he would pick on me all the time, y'all. He would tell me this. Manda, I fixed it. So when we go out of town, I, I fixed it for you. I said, how you fix it, Dad? I'm going to boil you some eggs <laughs> so you have something to eat and we don't have to stop. I would fuss at daddy, and I remember Shirley and Arlene, we went somewhere, and they knew daddy don't like to stop. Now, I'm pregnant, y'all. Don't think that my daddy won't let us stop, but he just loved to do what he got to do and just get it done. So I'm back there. I'm like, Jesus, look like we ain't stopping. So I'm telling them, tell him, tell him, tell him. Nobody said nothing to skeet. I hollered and said, listen here. We got to stop somewhere. So we get in the Kentucky Fried Chicken place, and Daddy laughing at me because I'm eating chicken. I said, Daddy, you eating it too? <laughs> so we have fun on our trips, y'all, but everybody have a way of doing things. Daddy's way is, let's get it done and over with. I inherit that from my daddy. His way is, let's just take a time. We're still going to get there. Listen here, I want to get back home and get in my word. You take your time, just take me home. So what I'm saying is, do that make me better than him or him better than me? No. Where I'm weak, he's going to make me strong. Where he's weak, I'm going to make him strong. We're there to lift one another up. If you had two people with the same personality, we'll be messed up. So don't look for nobody to do like you do if they're not where you are. They have to get to that place that you're in, y'all. So what I'm telling you is sin has an effect, and Jesus eliminated sin. He done away with sin. And now when we know what he's done for us, and we're living according to what he's done, why are we treating everybody else like they're disease? Christian folk. We treat them just like when they make a mistake, we talk about them. We think that we're better because they made a mistake. We don't look at what we done and when we done it or how we done it. This is why I learned. He who have not sinned, let him cast the first stone. 
So when I try to point at somebody else, I have to say, hold it right now. They're doing what they know to do at this time. So if the spirit of the Lord has given me something that they need, I give it to them. But if he's not giving me anything, I leave it alone. Y'all, last thing, unforgiveness. If you know he has forgiven you of your past, present, and future sins, how in the world can you as a Christian not forgive those that have hurt you? Now you say you know that you are forgiven, and he don't hold that against you. So tell me, how can you hold things in your heart against folks and say that's the right way? He said, if you know I have forgiven you, you should be able to forgive others. So God is saying today, y'all, it's not hard. The ways of a transgressor is hard. But for us that are born again, only thing we have to do is look into the mirror and see what the word of God says and live by that word. And if we don't live by that word, God is not looking at us and saying, I'm not going to heal you. I'm not going to deliver you. I'm not going to use you because he's looking to Jesus. You can still be used. But if you continue in what you're doing and you know it's wrong, that's when the person that God has put over you like me and I see that you continually going down that road and you hearing the truth, I have to pull you aside and then you're going to have to have counsel. Because if I leave you in the midst of the body of Christ and you're still doing what you're doing, it's going to affect somebody else and say, well, this one got away with it. The whole point of the matter is love covers a multitude of sin. So quit looking at everybody that is born again and looking at you like you better and getting categories of you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do this, and you shouldn't do that. Jesus took care of all those rules and regulations. By the way, if you want to go up on the rules and regulations, women, men, every time you have sex and you don't clean yourself, then, you know, you're going to get something from that. This was the rule. A woman, after she have a baby, the, the Bible tells you that until she's through doing what she's doing, she better not touch nothing. Me and y'all are starved. Go back in Leviticus. And then it lets you know, too, some of those laws that would happen unto them, the curses. These people will end up eating their kids. Look what's happening in the world today. Young kids dying at the hands of parents. Sin have an effect on this world. If you go back to those laws and you want to live that way, you live in death. The law is death. If you live, a carnally minded uh, person is death, but a spiritually minded person is life and peace. If you live according to your carnally mind, you're going to receive death. You live according to the spirit, you're going to receive life and peace. If you're not receiving life and peace in your life, you're carnally minded. You living by your five senses. If you always getting offended because somebody is coming to you and, and you have an outburst of anger, there's a root from where that come. That didn't happen overnight. There's something that's deep rooted in you that caused you to do the same thing over and over again. You need to find out what the root is and you need to deal with it through the word of God. Because if you don't, nobody's going to want to deal with you. I don't care how saved you are. Some people say people don't want to deal with me because I'm telling the truth. No, some people don't want to deal with you because you don't want to hear the truth yourself now i'm just going to lay it down some people think they got so much truth in them and people's running away from them because of the truth no they're running away from you because you don't want to hear truth and you got something to tell everybody else outside of you let's get it right 
Because when Jesus come into Rome, you don't have to open your mouth. People are going to run anyway. But people who really want the truth, they're coming in you to get the truth. But sometimes we can hurt people so much with throwing at, you don't need to do this and you don't need to do that, that when they see you coming, here come, you don't need to do this and you don't need to do that. Y'all need to run from that. Because Jesus didn't do all that. Jesus brought love on the same. And even when they were in their sin, they were healed, they were delivered, and they were set free. So I want to ask you a question today in closing. Who are you holding in your heart that you're waiting on them to come to you for forgiveness when you know what the word is saying to you? Who are you waiting on to change before you can have conversation with them? Some of us are still waiting on people to change. Change begin with you first. And change means it don't matter what you do or what you say. I'm going to love you outside of you because that's how he loved me. We love people outside of what we see in the natural because everything is not what you see. God looks at the heart. Some people might have areas in their life that they need help with, and you might be the one that need to help them. You don't turn away from now. If you hanging with them and you giving them truth and they still doing crazy stuff, then it's time for you to pull back because they ain't receiving what you giving them. They just messing you up. They making people see you the way they are. And that's not who you are. So don't be hanging with people that don't want to change. That's when separation need to take place. Amen. So I'm telling you the eliminator has already eliminated. He has already gotten rid of sin. So we need to quit holding things against people that he's already done away with. They need to know what he's done. And that's when we will begin to see change. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise. (laughs) Hallelujah. Isn't God a good God? And I'm going to tell you, when we know these things, when we really know these things, when we come up to the altar... We ain't coming up to the altar to get nothing from God because we know that what we already have. We're coming up to the altar to say, God, I realize and I recognize what you have already done and you have already paid the price for it. But God, I thank you that you're meeting me right where I am here and now, that whatever is going on with me, I thank you that you have already taken care of. We're not trying to get anything from God. God has given us everything we need. We just need to receive it. In order to receive it, we have to know, y'all, what we already have. So, Father, I thank you for the message that you have given us on the Eliminator. And I thank you, Father God, that hearts have been touched, hearts have been changed, God, to come to you, God, even through this message, God, that we have been receiving. And, God, those that are still feeling guilty, that are still feeling condemned, I thank you, God, that as they get to know who they are now that they're in Christ, they will let go of this guilt and this shame and this condemnation, God, because you have already forgiven them. And being that they know you have already forgiven them, God, they will turn from whatever they're doing and they will turn unto you, God. And I thank you for all the prodigals, God, that are coming home, God. Because even when the prodigal come to himself and recognize that he didn't have to live the way that he was living, God, you didn't condemn him. You welcomed him, God, with open arms, God. And you gave him, Father God, the best that you had. So I thank you that we welcome all the prodigals home and we letting them know that it's not about you. It's all about what he's done for you. So you have 
have already been accepted in the beloved. Even though you may not look acceptable, he's already accepted you. He's already adopted you. He's already welcomed you into the kingdom of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And the only thing you need to do is receive what Jesus has already done. God, we give you glory. We give you honor. And we give you praise for the prodigals, God. In the name of Jesus, for the ones that have backslidden, God, due to the church, what the church have done. God, we thank you and we call them home to let them know we love you with an agape love, with an unconditional love. And whatever you're doing and whatever the enemy is telling you that you need to do to get it right, that is a lie from the pit of hell. God has already made a way through his son. So you're right through him not through anything that you will do or you shall ever do. We just thank you for it, God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. Isn't God worthy? Do we have any today that have heard this message that say, God, I've been dependent on what I do to come into the kingdom? If we have any in here today that has been dependent on yourself to get anything from God, come up today. Amen. Hallelujah. Because God has already made the way for you. He's already provided.